What's up, everybody? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. This is your Friday, January 6th edition. Hope this podcast finds you well. I'm your host, Jake Burns, and we have some Thursday night Browns uh, drama, and it is, I guess, the sign of the end of a season, a disappointing season, that something like this would come out. You would hope this is the sort of thing that you would read next week after the season finale, but here we are on Thursday night reading it. Now, I do not blame the author, Mary Kay Cabot, for writing it. She got a scoop. She talked to Jadevian Clowney. You're going to write this stuff up. I would have to imagine Clowney and his people or whoever, maybe this was just coming straight from him, this decision to run it today, it was a choice. They could have waited until Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of the following week to run this sort of piece, but they decided to run it Thursday night. So with that comes a lot of baggage and we're going to talk about that but if you did not read it i will post a link in the description of this podcast because it came out late you might have been doing things that involve going to bed getting ready for the next day and you might be listening to this in the morning wondering what the hell i'm talking about it's in cleveland.com titled jadevian clowny 95 percent sure i won't be back this is a quote from him i need to be around somebody that believes in me okay so somebody that believes in me is an interesting title you're going to kind of go through this and you kind of take the highlights here. I'll, I'll read them off to you. Uh, Clowney says he's 95% sure he won't be back, he said, but there's still that 5% you never know. He said as he missed four games with an ankle injury and concussion, he's gone because he doesn't think the Browns put him in the best positions to excel. Now, this is an ironic statement because, you know, back when Clowney left Tennessee and originally came to Cleveland in that offseason, after he had been on IR for a long portion of that season, he made a very similar quote about not fitting the scheme. The scheme didn't fit him. That's why he didn't perform well in Tennessee. So this quote from Clowney, this angle, is nothing new. Okay? It's nothing new. So it's ironic, too, because if you go back, and you guys probably haven't looked into this, but if you go back and look at what he had to say about Mike Vrabel when he went to Tennessee, because if you recall, Clowney was with Vrabel originally down in Houston. Clowney then gets traded to Seattle, signs with the Texans, or sorry, signs with the Titans, gets back paired with Vrabel and says a bunch of things about how Vrabel is. Uh, let me try to find the exact quote here. Uh, the, basically giving a bunch of praise to Vrabel. He is one of the best in the business at creating opportunities, so on and so forth. I'll read it to you here. And this came before. Mike Vrabel, he said, is one of the smartest coaches I've ever been around since I've been playing football. He knows uh, football front and back, knows how to put guys in positions to make plays, and that's what he did in Houston. And when I got here, he started to move me around already. He just puts me in position to make plays. He believes I'm a playmaker, and he believes in my ability to make plays. So I'll just keep lining up all over the place. I keep executing play calls and making plays for him. So this was obviously before the season. Then after the season, when he goes to Cleveland, that's when the radio quotes about the scheme fit stuff didn't uh, didn't work out, and this was his reason. He says, Clowney basically said, and this is what he told in 92.3 upon his signing, um, I think it was a little bit of both. He said early on it was the scheme. Then later he talked about it was his knee. He said it had been healthy, and he made a bunch of point about health. But like he blamed the scheme essentially for his lack of production, which is ironic, given all of the praise he was trying to give, <laughs> you know, trying to give in the situation before to Vrabel and his time in Houston, so on and so forth. Back to this article because it gets wild, man. Um, he said to you know Clowney said. It can't just be me believing in myself. He said, I need to be around somebody that believes in me and my ability. I believe in myself more than anybody. So you presume he's talking about Joe Woods. Clowney, obviously, this year, a disappointing season from a numerical perspective. Two sacks, 
compared to nine last season. If you look at basically, um, if you look at just pressures compared one year to the next to kind of see, did he just kind of find a, a way to uh, make more sacks? Sacks can be a bit fickle. They can be a bit unpredictable. But if you look at pressures, they're significantly down across the board too. Only 29 pressures this year compared to 53 last year, despite only missing 170 snaps like this game he would have probably gotten up over if he played Sunday which we'll talk about that he would have probably gotten up around 530 so he would have about 130 140 less snaps than last year so it's not it's not that crazy you should have been able to put up more long story short it's a disappointing season for him not as good as he was last year he said he's not shutting the door on coming back next year because of a possible staff shakeup he says Joe Wood's been on the hot seat this season and um you know, he said basically at this point it could go either way. Clowney didn't criticize Woods or blame him for anything. So, again, kind of like not naming names. There's supposed to be a lot of changes around here next year, Clowney said. So they might not be back, and I might. So he could be talking about Chris Kiffin, the defensive line coach. He could be talking about Joe Woods. He could be even talking all the way up about Stefanski. But I lean that he's talking about the defense. But here is, again, where it gets crazy and where it crosses the line. The root of his unhappiness Lingered through the season. He feels the Browns have removed him from favorable matchups at various points throughout the season and put Miles Garrett on lesser offensive linemen instead to showcase their star defensive end. So he is essentially saying that they are favoring Miles because they want to showcase Miles and give Miles the statistics instead of Jadevian, as if they, they sit in the coach's office and try to say, well, we should give this guy the stats this week instead of that guy because we paid Miles more, so on and so forth. Not because of talent, moves, ability, but because he says they think that they should, they, they, he thinks they favor him. This is the quote that I cannot fathom saying. You're trying to get somebody into the Hall of Fame when all that matters is winning, Clowney said. Everybody got here for a reason, and we can all make plays. I know I am. That's fine, but you claiming that the Browns are doing their own form of in-house nepotism and giving Miles Garrett all of those opportunities that you're not t- just in order to get Miles into the Hall of Fame, it's, it's laughable nonsense. It's laughable. So... He goes on to say that, you know, he doesn't have any issues with Miles. He said, I don't think Garrett even notices, Clowney said, of those positions, which is I ain't trying to say it's him. I try to get along with everybody I play with. Me and him don't have a problem. It's all it's not it ain't his fault. It's just BS and I don't have time for it. He said the Browns have got their own guys and I ain't one of them. So it's time for me to get my exit slip. So it went even deeper into detail about this time against the Ravens in a thirteen three game just a few weeks back, was that week fifteen? where he said, we practiced all week and we got in the game and they want to move me. He said, I'm not doing that stuff. I'm old. I've done my job. So he opted to only play third downs, which are what? Passing sack opportunity downs because of the switch, because they were going to move him and move miles. Now, I don't know if we go back and look at that game, if the Ravens had a late player movement situation on the offensive line. I honestly cannot recall. Maybe that was the case. Maybe that's why they moved him uh, last minute. Miles to try to create some more opportunity for him. I'm not entirely sure, but from what we see here, it sounds like Clowney thinks that there's some nefarious reason the last second that they moved him out of that spot. So it ended up being that tackle Taven Bryan started in his place. I do recall Taven Bryan playing some edge snaps and thought that was extremely weird. And Chase Winovich ended up playing 23 snaps in that game. Clowney, again, continued on. I don't have time for that. I've made my money. I'm doing this because I love the game but keep doing things like that and making me not love the game. 
He said he understands the Browns want Garrett, their own number one pick in 2017, to excel, but there's enough to go around for both. Let's say it. Let's be honest. He said, it seems to me they don't want me to outplay nobody. Again, claiming he's a better player or on par with Miles, that he should be getting the same opportunities. He said he very easily could have had 10 sacks this season if things had been different. He said, I'll be right back there next year. I feel better this year than I did at this point last year. It must mean physically. He also referenced his time playing with J.J. Watt, okay, uh, when he had his nine-and-a-half sack season in 2017 and his nine-sack season uh, in 2018. He also had nine last year. He's never even had, I don't think he's had 10 sacks in a season. He said, I played with J.J. Watt. I was 20 years old at the time, 21, and it was right. It was all right for him to be deciding where I line up and stuff. He said, he had already been two-time defensive player of the year. It was cool. I made three Pro Bowls when I was there. Clowney said he's starting getting frustrated early in the season. And look at how my season started going after that. I started worrying about stuff I shouldn't be worrying about. I've just got to get back to doing my own thing. He said it's unfortunate because he wants to play with Deshaun Watson, who he gave a vote of confidence about the Browns organization. He said, but I've got to go somewhere where someone believes in me. He said he plans to discuss the matter with Andrew Barry in his exit meeting and feels that Barry believes in him. I'll be ready next year to get after it again, he said. If things don't work out with the Browns, they might still see him a couple times a year. He said, I could still up, end up in the same division next year. It's an unbelievable article, and I still cannot believe Clowney decided to put this out there the day before, you know, two days before the game. It's, it's unfathomable. Now, I think based on the quotes, this is my opinion, they need to hold him accountable, okay? I'm not saying every situation you can hold players accountable – but this one, you have to hold him accountable. He cannot say the things that he said and just get away with it. I just, you can't, I mean, those are damning statements claiming favoritism and uh, trying to hold a player down and, and some really ugly accusations built in there. And I know, listen, Joe Woods is not God's gift to scheming up defensive line. I even put out a, a tweet this week talking about how uh, they should be moving miles more, a gap, doing different things like that that stuff I get it, but Clowney's usage has not been terribly different. Now, he had a 12-snap game, sorry, a 16-snap game in 2022 on the right side. He played 23 total snaps week 7, 16 of which came on the right side. So that game was against Baltimore, uh, obviously on the road in Baltimore. So that was a clear game plan. Now, I don't know, he didn't mention that game. But this was a game plan decision. Now, he was mad again that they did this later in the year. It's not like he hadn't played some more right side snaps. I mean, he played 43 snaps week 13 against Houston. He had basically 21 on the left side and then about 20-ish on the right side. So this wasn't completely unheard of. And then apparently week 15, when they played the Ravens again, and he only played 22 snaps in that game because of whatever, uh, he just had this issue with moving to the right side. This this Ravens game, if you look at games he didn't play a ton, 23 snaps against the Ravens week 7 when he played 16 on the right side, uh, and then 22 snaps when he only played third downs the second time against the Ravens. But again, in a game against the Texans, he was willing to play both sides in week 13. He played 43 total snaps. Again, you're talking about like 21 on the left side. If you add them up here, 15, 19, like 23 on the right side. So I don't know, man. This this is what's amazing to me. And I, I'm, I'm not sure if, you know, with Clowney and all of this, there, there are people taking shots at Brown's leadership, and it's the same cast of media characters who always do it, and it doesn't take a big stretch of the imagination to find the guys who are blaming the top-down. I don't blame the Brown's leadership for this. Like, 
it's clear that Clowney is a wild card. He's made statements like this in the past. He is a talented football player, very good against the run, subpar, above average against the pass, but you can see the usage for him. But Clowney in his mind as a former number one pick with all the hype, it's clear he's at a crossroads. He never had the long-term contract he hoped to have. That never materialized for him from Houston to Seattle uh, to Tennessee to two years in Cleveland. Never that big long-term deal that he probably envisioned he would get someday. You know who does have that long-term deal? Miles Garrett. You know who outperforms him all the time on the, in the same organization right now? Miles Garrett. It feels like a, a, a real case of massive jealousy here. And to name Miles specifically and, and, and make accusations that they're giving him some benefit schematically to allow him to chase stats and chase the Hall of Fame, I just can't imagine it. And, I, and again, this feels like a guy who's 30, whose NFL career didn't work out the way he planned, and is frustrated and trying to save face to get another contract down the line. He's trying to say, I didn't, this, this wasn't my issue in Cleveland in 2022. This was them. This was their fault. But the way he went about this and the way he handled the quotes and the thought process around it, look, man, you can bash Joe Woods. You should have, I mean, the common sense of all common sense here is you wait until next week. But even if you just went after the defense in and of itself and didn't go after a player and didn't go after the, the accusations built around allowing other players to do it and just talked about, hey, I wanted to do some movement stuff. They didn't move me, uh, whatever. You could attack the scheme stuff. You didn't even have to go after players and you didn't have to accuse the organization of essentially ch stat chasing with Miles Garrett. It's, it's, a little, it's a little crazy. I'm not going to blame the Browns for this leadership-wise. It's a bad look because Clowney has this habit in his past when things don't break his direction. But what they do have to do is take some form of action. They do have to hold him accountable for this. I see no way in which you can have him playing Sunday. Absolutely not. There's no way you can have him play Sunday. He should be held out of that game, team suspension for the week, rest of the week, and that's it. And, and he's gone. Even if you bring in a new defensive voice, I cannot fathom how you would want to bring him back. And, and Miles Garrett, like that is such an awkward situation now. And we're going to hear from... Chris Kiffin on Friday, and I think we're scheduled to hear from Kevin Stefanski too, but God, this is terribly awkward, and it's horrible timing, and if you want to make something more out of it and claim players, blah, 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 and the, the policing by Kevin, and the, listen, man, the head coach can only do so much. It does take a group of dudes in a locker room who do it the right way and hold people accountable. These are grown men. Kevin can yell, he can scream, he can he can hold guys out of series, he can find them, but at the end of the day, you have to find enough guys who care about doing stuff the right way to win. You can only expect so much out of your head coach with that stuff and grown men. Like, this is the thing. If your coach is spending all this time punishing guys, holding them accountable for doing the wrong shit, he can't coach, man, and that's not the point here. The point is to find good people in your organization to handle themselves the right way. And Clowney clearly couldn't do that the second time around. And that's what's extremely frustrating. He chose to come back here. He knew Joe Woods. He was in Joe Woods' scheme the year before. He knew what he was getting into here. It's nothing new. He made that choice. He, he vouched for the organization with Deshaun Watson's people to persuade him to come here. So don't spare me that, man. Spare me all this. There, there. I'm in the outside looking at you. Got two $10, $10 million contracts from the Browns. They believe in you. 
They want to use you differently. They want to use you at what you're best at and use Miles at what he's best at. They care about winning. Now, it might not always be the same vision you have, but you need to do some self-reflection and understand that while you are very talented, you are not that guy. You never will be that guy. But you can still be yourself and be really good at it, and he's not doing that. And it's an embarrassing way to go out in Cleveland and the Browns organization better hold him accountable for this because that if you let this statement fly in the media it's one thing if he goes behind closed doors and does this strong accusations but held behind closed doors fine to go to the media and Mary Kay who's got a very well-known reputation for getting her content out to a wide variety of people this was very calculated by Clowney the Browns better be calculated in response we'll be right back after this break we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Alrighty, so wanted to do some uh, mailbox stuff, some, some, some questions from Twitter I think is a fun exercise. We did a little mailbag, threw it up. We got some good questions. So let's just go through one by one. I'll read the Twitter handle. Thank you guys for asking and try to do my best to explain them. So um, Hunter Anthony, who's at Hunter Anthony 33 on Twitter. First question and response. If you had your choice, what kind of defense best fits our personnel at the moment? He says, example, four, three, three, four, three, two, five, an aggressive front and a cover three type blitzing, stay back in coverage. I think the Browns have personnel to run a variety of coverages, I think they can be a single high group. I think they can be a two high group. I prefer they play more man across the board. They do some things within cover four that uh, makes it a man coverage uh, by principle, but I think they have enough talent with the guys they have here currently to run a lot more man. They have been effective in man, uh, one of the better teams in terms of effectiveness, success rate using it, but they only use it about 28th in the NFL. They don't use it enough. So I think they can add that in. I think a four two five fits them. They'd have to make some adjustments. Can Alex Wright be an outside linebacker in a 3-4? Do they have two guys who can be four eyes in terms of fitting into that uh, unique 3-4 type of system, odd front stuff? I don't think they have that. Could they get it? Sure. But what I know is in-house, I think a 4-2-5 is fine. They just need a creative form of it. They need more 
diverse blitz looks. They need to create some deception and coverage, pre-snap to post-snap, more simulated pressures that can get some guys free after the quarterback. I think they need a more creative mind. 4-2-5 base is fine. It's typically what you're in more than often, uh, more often than not anytime. And I do think I would like to see, I'm going to write about this in the offseason, among many changes I'm looking for, JOK and more of that Kyle Duggar hybrid rule. Not as a deep safety, but the stuff they do with him in New England, up near the line of scrimmage, in the box, curl flat, is really fun. I think he could handle that rule. So next question comes from um, Monkey D. Luffy, I think is the name here. So I hope I got that right, man. Do you think DPJ gets a second contract? I currently do. I think there's a fair contract out there for him. He's gotten better year after year. I think he fits as a backside uh, X receiver with this this offense, vertical route tree, posts, corner posts, takeoff routes, back shoulders, dig routes as, as, a, as a backside read. I think he's a perfect fit for what they do. I do think he's a second contract guy, and he's young, and he should continue to get better. Next question, Perry Winkle. Uh, and it's uh, a name that I can't even pronounce the at. He says, what player surprised you the most this year with their performance? Any favorites in free agency or draft that you'd like them to get? And why is it Dayron Payne? Listen, Dayron Payne is fun. I don't, as we sit here currently on, what are we, January, January 6th, I do not think he gets out of Washington. I think they franchise tag him for a year. They don't have a quarterback contract to pay. I would be really surprised if he got out of there outside of a trade or a franchise tag. Like a trade could happen. Browns aren't going to be involved in that. Someone's going to give up something serious. New contract will come with that. If he hits the free agent market, sure, but it's going to cost a lot. Would you rather create more depth, grab a couple more defensive ends, um, and then and then try to maybe find some like Matt Ioannidis types inside? It's interesting. There's there's two angles to go there. I, I really would love to have De'Ron Payne, but um, you know there's a lot of allocation of funds there that you have to look at, right? Uh, what player surprised you the most this year? I think DPJ is up there. In terms of how 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 far his strides have come, and Joku has been a nice player for them, but I think you have to say Martin Emerson. I mean, he's a third round pick. You you didn't even know if he was going to find the field a ton, let alone produce the way he's produced. And he's in he's in nice territory this year in terms of production on a snap by snap, route by route basis. So I think Martin Emerson's the runaway winner on that third round pick. Who, if you look at redrafts, is taken as early as the first round in a lot of redrafts of. Of, uh, of, of just last year's draft class. So Martin Emerson, probably the safe vote there. Next question comes from Colby Hirschfelder. Felder. I hope I got that right, Colby. Any possible head coach changes and attempts for Sean Payton? Is D-Hop an option or what free agent will we go after and or draft in round two? Top prospects for other areas, especially with Clowney's uncertainty. So draft stuff, I'm not into it yet. The second the season ends, I'm going to be doing daily mock drafts and trying to get after it. So I'm not going to answer a ton of, uh, you know, draft questions yet. There are guys that I like, but I, I don't really want to give a feel for that quite yet. Um, I don't think, I mean, as far as what we care about with the Browns, Sean Payton, it, it feels like the, the New Orleans is chasing picks as many as a, a single first round pick and second. The Browns do not have the ammunition to go get Sean Payton. And that's to presume Sean Payton's even interested in Cleveland. So um, you know, among many layers of stairs to get to that top step, that is Sean Payton is your head coach of the Browns. I, I, I can't even see very many steps moved in that at all. So that pipe dream needs to go. And it would be a hard pipe dream, even if it didn't involve moving picks there. The DeAndre Hopkins thing is interesting. If you are truly all in, if the Browns are all in every chip on the table, the next two years, the way they might be, going and getting DeAndre Hopkins, should he demand a trade to Cleveland because of his Deshaun Watson connection, is feasible could they give up something similar to what they gave up for cooper 
We'll see. I think the demand will be a little bit higher. Hopkins is a bigger name, um, older, but a bigger name. I just don't know how the money would work. There's a lot of moving parts there, but if they are all in, I 100% want them chasing a difference maker at wide receiver, a real separator at wide receiver that's an older veteran, a Cooks, a Lockett, a whatever. The, the, the free agency class at wide receiver, it's bad. There's not a name in there that makes me want to chase a name in free agency at wide receiver. It is draft a guy or it is trademark at some sort of veteran. That's where I sit right now. Justin uh, Forza, I think the S might be silent, at Crazy Justin S4ZA on Twitter, is prefer valuable to hire or to fire because he knows the whole team roster and has stepped in and won a playoff game in Stefanski's absence. Is he too valuable to fire? I don't know. Um, the Browns special teams has not been as bad as we think they have. Uh, Bjorquez is actually the third highest EPA punter this year. Their punt stuff has been pretty good. I would prefer to move on from Prefer personally, but I could understand if they don't want to turn that over at the same time they turn over a defensive coordinator that it is pointing toward that direction. So we'll see. I think it's possible, but I, I don't think it's because he's got this ability to step in and coach. I mean, they got a bunch of guys who have been former head coaches in some variety, so I don't I don't think it's tied to that, but um, I, I'm certainly interested in, in that change. But I don't, again, I don't think that sort of change is coming uh, right, right, maybe this offseason the way we hope. I think, I think it makes most sense to move DC and hold a little bit of uh, continuity in the specials, but we'll see. They could change them all. I, I, would, not, I would not have a problem with it. We're going to take our last break and then answer some more questions when we get back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, next question comes in from David Lurie. No, sorry, Rick Sanchez. Pickle Rick, 222. What's up, Pickle Rick? As a fan, what was the lowest and highest point of the season for everyone? I would have to say the lowest point to me. I'm I'm guessing maybe you could claim the Saints loss is up there because it, it eliminated them. They thought everyone had a good vibe around that game coming off the Ravens win that they could win in their cold environment to get uh, keep themselves alive. They would be in a similar situation right now to Pittsburgh, still fighting for the playoffs. You could argue Miami coming out of the bye where they were embarrassed with very little effort coming out of the bye. You could also argue the Jets game or Falcons game. Jets particularly because you blew an unbelievable lead. That That's um, an unfathomable lead loss. That's, that might be the lowest, but I'm not sure. It's too early in the season. The highest point, again, I, I think you could argue the highest point was coming off of that Ravens game. You know, everything's still in front of you. A real decent path to the playoffs right there. Watson playing pretty well uh, through the second half of that game. That was probably the high point. You could also argue early in the year as Jacoby was ripping some nice plays they put together. They put a, a nice performance against the Bengals. You could argue that, but there have not been a ton of high points this year. Uh, maybe they'll have one this week 18 when they knock Pittsburgh out of the playoffs. Uh, and again, Michael... MF Romans 90 said again, same question, favorite moment of the season. My favorite moment of the season, oh boy, a specific moment. Um, that's a good question. 
I would have to say when Jacoby led them to that win against Tampa in overtime and the heroic catch from Njoku where he goes up with one hand and hauls that in in the end zone and then they find a way to hit Amari on that double move and go win that game in overtime, I would say everybody was feeling pretty good because that was the end of Jacoby Brissett's season uh, as the starter and we all knew it and it was pretty cool. It was a pretty cool way to end it. So I'd say that's probably the favorite moment uh, of the season. Next is from David Laurie. Um, the blown coverage assignments are well documented. If you had to pinpoint blame one or two people, I mean, Joe Woods and Jeff Howard are the leaders of the secondary. They, they're the people who get the most blame for their guys, not knowing signs, signals, checks, everything. Now you can blame Denzel. You can blame Grant Delpit early in the season. Those guys were at the forefront of it. Greg Newsom was in the mix of a cover four palms blow against, uh, Carolina. There's a lot of moving parts there. You can blame the secondary. I would say like 80% of that's coaching, 20% of it's players. Your guys have to know it like the back of their hand, man. They, they There's no excuse. No excuse. Corey Gardner, do you think the Browns' type of player personality-wise needs more variety in the locker room? I love the guys they brought in, but they're all quiet, intelligent, cerebral guys. Should they try to diversify and have some fiery leader types that bring intensity too? Corey, that is a fantastic question. I think they have brought in... As you said, those personality types that you labeled quiet, intelligent, cerebral, very true. I do think there is a lacking alpha dog leadership type of young guys to bring. Like They have not found enough of those Anthony Walker type draft picks who are just downright step in the organization leadership type guys. And they do need some outward spoken leadership types. Now, is Deshaun Watson going to be doing more of that? I don't know. But they need more of it. I think that point, now how to acquire it and how to get it right and find players who are good on top of that is easier said than done, but they need more of it. Next question is, and that's a great one we're going to touch on a lot this offseason. Blake, do you think the Conklin contract, uh, Blake is at bsizzle33. Conklin contract means we're looking to look for a new left tackle. I do not. It's two years here of all in on the offensive line. All four, or sorry, all four of them. Nick Harris probably the fifth. I don't think they'll end up re-signing Posich. He'll get a decent contract from somebody else. You get Jed for his fourth year and then his fifth year option, and then they'll see about what deal comes next for him. I just don't think they can move on right now. Who are the one free agent tackle to sign and one to draft? I'm not going to do draft right now. There's a kid out of Alabama that's really good, but again, I'm not going to meander into that. I mean, again, cheaper. Ionitis is a cheap guy that could, you could come to mind. You could talk me into David Onyemata, um, Onyemata, I think is actually how it's pronounced, out of New Orleans. There are, are several defensive tackles on the market that we will dig into this offseason that can be had at various prices outside of just the Dayron Payne expensive, uh, expensive types too. And again, you know, you're talking about a bunch of different – it's a, it's what do they want? What type of guy do they want? Because they have a bunch of different tiers for these players, at least in in my opinion – there's a bunch of tiers for these guys that could be out there. Are you looking for more of like the pass rusher type? Because if you're looking for the pass rushing type, you could go Draymond Jones, who's going to be a free agent out of Denver. Um, he's had success getting after the quarterback. This again, do they want a bigger body or do they want somebody specifically who can get after the quarterback from those inside alignments? There's a lot of different types out there. So good question. Something we'll cover extensively. Um, uh, question next from King, who is at... Uh, Muni lot or sorry I'm Muni dog woods one and back question mark to the Browns I say it's 90 10 90 percent 10 percent I think he has some supporters in the front office 
but not enough to keep his job. It's 90-10 right now. I mean, I guess maybe they have a lights-out week 18 performance. It changes, but I don't think it stays right now. Curveball question from Brian Cassidy at Bud Cassidy. The thoughts on Ohio State-Georgia game. Brutal, tough, man. They they needed to move the football at the end of the game. I think they're going to ask themselves some hard questions about why they couldn't stop Stetson Bennett for an entire fourth quarter and how they couldn't pick up more yards after that first down down near the 35-yard line with a timeout and plenty of time. So we're going to relive that one a lot, uh, a lot this offseason. They, they really blew a real opportunity. So many things went wrong for them at the end of that one. Uh, King again, Amuni Dog asks, "Has the D scheme improved or opponents got any worse?" I think they have. All, they have gotten better, but the opponents and the run of opponents they've hit here have not been very good. And again, you're playing in northern outdoor, cold, windy weather for some of these games. That is going to work in your favor. The Browns' defense should always get better toward the end of the year, right? If the offense is going to have a hard time in the windy, nasty conditions, then the defense should be pretty good, and they have been better. So. Mixture of a lot there. I don't give them some gigantic scheme improvement, not even remotely, but the guys are doing what they're supposed to be doing, and it is aided by some terrible offensive coordinator decisions. Look at the Ravens game. They didn't decide to run the power scheme that had given them like 12 yards per carry uh, more than 18 times, and they threw 30 times. You got 30 times with Tyler Huntley. You got 39 throws with Kyle Allen and Texas in the, in the Houston game. Like, They've been getting some help from some terrible, and they're starting against Carson Wentz. And uh, yeah, the, the, I think they've been aided as much as they've been better, but they have been better. The question again from Muni Dog: Way too early free agent wide receivers. The free agent wide receiver um, is is bad. If you go again, if you go uh, look at free agent wide receivers, I'll, I'll name a few for you if you want me to. It's it's a really ugly class. Like at the top of it. Uh, if you if you just try to highlight, <laughs> you just try to highlight some of these guys from from either spot rack you can go to or you can go to uh, over the cap, like Nelson Aguilar, Sterling Shepard, DJ Shark, Randall Cobb, Marvin Jones, Julio Jones, Byron Pringle, Alan Lazard, Jacoby Myers, Deontay Hardy, Juju Smith Schuster, AJ Green, Jarvis Landry, Mark Matthew Slater, and Kill Harry. I can keep going. They could get somebody in the middle of the pack, like a Paris Campbell for cheap, or Trent Sherfield, who's had a nice little run down in Miami, who's going to be 27 as an explosive type. But boy, there's not much, guys. There's really not much out there. Um, a, re- a rehabilitation project, like a Dante Pettis, has had a decent little turnaround down in uh, or over in Chicago. But again, you're this is it's slim pickings. It's it's a terrible it's a terrible class. So. Not much out there, um, a free agent wide receiver. And then uh, J.J. Burns at J.B. Walsh 22 is the last question about Clowney and Mary Kay and thoughts and covered that pretty extensively at the beginning. So, listen, we're going to do – I'm going to try to do a, uh, every week. I'll have more draft thoughts if you want to ask draft questions next week, but uh, we're going to try to do a mailbag on Twitter to have you fire off questions and I'll answer them during the show. I appreciate you guys stopping by. Make sure to check out the OBR where we got plenty of stuff up leading up to this game. We'll have plenty of thoughts on the clowny situation as well, among many, many other things. Thanks for stopping by this podcast, supporting the OBR's website, and then obviously the Twitch channel as well. Uh, Always appreciate you guys' support throughout the year. Guys, have a great Friday, and go Browns!
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.